The Sound of Movies with today's host, Joan Andrews. Welcome to The Sound of Movies, where we play for you the music behind the scenes and we narrate the stories of feature films. Our film today is Forrest Gump from 1994. The story is based on a novel by Winston Croon. The music was written and composed by Alan Silvestri. We start with the opening music of the film and an introduction to the story. Forrest Gump tells the story of a young man born post-World War II in the rural South with good character but below average intelligence. The boy's name is Forrest Gump. The film depicts several decades in his life as he learns to navigate the world in his simple but honest way. He grows up, he goes to war, he earns a living, and along the way he experiences firsthand some of the most historic events of the late 20th century. But Forrest Gump had more effect on the world than the world had on Forrest Gump. What Forrest Gump really wants his whole life is the love of Jenny, his childhood friend. Forrest will do anything for his one true love. The film opens as we watch a small white feather fall slowly from the sky and eventually land at the feet of Forrest Gump. We're meeting Forrest Gump as an adult. He's sitting on a park bench, waiting for a bus. He has with him a suitcase and a box of chocolates. A woman sits down next to him. He introduces himself and proceeds to tell her his life story. The film goes back in time now, as Forrest tells the woman about his childhood and his mother. Forrest remembers his first pair of shoes were leg braces. His legs were fine. It was his back that was crooked, and his brain was a little slow. Forrest also remembers that despite his handicaps, his mother was determined to raise him as a normal young boy. She told him over and over, you are no different than anyone else, Forrest.
But the people of their small town in Alabama didn't all share his mother's view of Forrest. To them, he was different, and so they weren't always kind to Forrest. But when his mother put him on the school bus to go to his first day of school, he found one person in Greenbow, Alabama, who was kind. None of the other kids would let him sit down next to them on the bus, and none of them except Jenny, a little girl Forrest thought was an angel. From that day forward, Forrest and Jenny were best of friends. In fact, Jenny was Forrest's only friend. She taught him to climb, he taught her to dangle. She helped him learn to read, he showed her how to swing. Many sunny days in the trees and the woods and the fields lasted well into the night. Jenny never wanted to go home. Forrest is now devoted to Jenny. Forrest will do whatever Jenny asks. So one day, when some town bullies are throwing rocks and beginning to chase Forrest, Jenny urges him. Jenny forces him to run. Forrest doesn't usually run, and he can't run fast with those leg braces on. But Jenny said to run, and Forrest starts to run, and the boys chase in laughter. Of course, they can catch the boy in the braces. Jenny keeps urging, run, Forrest, run. And then a miracle happens. Forrest does start to run. Forrest breaks those braces on his legs and runs, as he says, like the wind. Those bullies couldn't get anywhere near Forrest Gump. And Forrest continues to run and run and run everywhere he ever needs to go.
So we've met the adult Forrest Gump, sitting on that park bench, waiting for a bus, telling his life story to whomever will listen. We've heard a little bit about his trials and triumphs, growing up just a little bit different. And we've also met his one good friend, Jenny. Forrest continues the story now, sitting on that park bench, about Jenny's home. He said she had a nice father. Forrest didn't have a father. Her father was always kissing and touching Jenny and her sisters. Forrest didn't understand why sometimes Jenny didn't come to school, and why when he went to visit her, she'd run through the cornfields with him, hiding from her father, and praying that God would make her into a bird so she could fly away from here. Well, God didn't make her into a bird, Forrest said, but he did send the police, and now Jenny could live with her grandmother, which was much closer to Forrest's house, so they both were happy. Jenny often came over at night now because she said she was scared. Forrest didn't know of what. He thought it must be of her grandmother's dog. Time continued to pass, and Forrest and Jenny continued to grow, as well as their friendship. Jenny was usually with him when Forrest needed her, and she helped the University of Alabama see what a good runner Forrest was. And on to college he went, on a football scholarship. So Forrest went off to the University of Alabama during some tumultuous times. When the school was integrated, he was there, right behind the new students, helping them with their books. Because of his speed on the gridiron, he was named to the All-American team and got to meet President Kennedy. And at the end of five years, they gave him a degree, though he had no idea what he was going to do. So he signed up for the Army. The Army fit Forrest well. You follow the rules, make your bed, and say yes, drill sergeant. He even found a friend in Bubba, the shrimp farmer. But while in the Army, he missed his mother, and he missed Jenny. Jenny had gone to a private girls' college, but she had dreams of being a folk singer on stage. Jenny showed up in a men's magazine, wearing only her college sweater. Her school expelled her. But to Forrest's surprise, the owner of a small theater had seen the pictures of Jenny and hired her to come work for him. Forrest was thrilled to see Jenny on stage singing her music. 
just her and the guitar. Forrest didn't seem to notice Jenny's lack of clothing or the true purposes of the patrons in the theater. When things got a bit rowdy, Forrest rescued Jenny. Jenny wasn't particularly grateful. Jenny didn't want to be rescued by Forrest or anyone at that point. She just wanted to run away. And as she hitchhiked herself a ride to anywhere, Forrest said goodbye and told her he was headed to Vietnam. Jenny reminded him, if he was in trouble, don't try to be brave. Just run. Run, Forrest, run. Then Jenny went off to who knows where. Forrest returned home to say goodbye to his mother. And then he went off to Vietnam. When Forrest gets to Vietnam, he and Bubba are assigned to the 9th Infantry Division under Lieutenant Dan Taylor. For months, they patrol the fields of Vietnam in, as Forrest says, every kind of rain. For four months it rained, and for four months they marched. And Forrest and Bubba made plans for the future they were going to be shrimp farmers. And almost every night, Forrest wrote a letter to Jenny. He told her what he was doing. He asked what she was doing. He told her how he thought about her every day. And that he looked forward to a letter from her when she had the time. And on the day the rain stopped, the ambush began. Quickly, Lieutenant Dan knew their only hope was retreat, and everyone was to run. And Forrest can run. But when he reached the riverbanks first and realized his best good friend Bubba was not with him, he headed right back into the jungle. But before he could find Bubba, he found many of his fellow soldiers wounded needing help. He picked up each one and ran those men to the riverbanks. He even rescued Lieutenant Dan, despite the lieutenant's pleas to leave him and save himself. And though he was shot himself, and Lieutenant Dan warned him about a coming airstrike, Forrest went back in for Bubba. And he did find Bubba with a large gaping wound in his stomach. He picked him up, ran him out steps in front of the airstrike, only to have Bubba die in his arms next to the riverbank. But Forrest and Lieutenant Dan survive. They end up in the same hospital together. Forrest, while recovering from his gunshot wound, enjoys the ice cream and discovers he has a talent for ping pong. Lieutenant Dan is recovering from bigger wounds 
He's lost both of his legs below his knees. And, he believes, his destiny. Lieutenant Dan comes from generations of soldiers who died in battle. He believes he was supposed to die in battle too. But Forrest Gump stole his destiny by saving him. Lieutenant Dan despairs of what he will do now with the rest of his life. A little while later, Forrest has news he thinks will cheer up Lieutenant Dan. Forrest is going to be a recipient of the Medal of Honor. But when he goes to tell Lieutenant Dan, he discovered he'd been sent home, and he left without saying goodbye. But soon Forrest too returns home and goes to Washington, D.C. to receive that Medal of Honor from President Johnson. Afterwards, as he takes a walk through the city, He's caught up in an anti-war rally, though he doesn't know it. But fortunately for him, he's unwittingly put on stage where Jenny sees him from the crowd. And Forrest and Jenny are reunited. As we pick up the story, Forrest has returned from Vietnam. He's in Washington, D.C. to receive the Medal of Honor. Jenny's there, too, at an anti-war rally. The two are delighted to see each other, but the reunion doesn't last long. Jenny is deep into the anti-war movement and whatever man she's with these days, and she's off the next day. Forrest doesn't return to Vietnam. Instead, he's put on the special forces as a ping-pong player for the troops. He even gets to represent the U.S. and China at a ping-pong tournament, and as a result, gets to meet his third president, President Nixon. Forrest is now a military star, and he even gets to go on talk shows, like the Dick Cavett Show in New York. It's there in New York that Lieutenant Dan finds him again. Lieutenant Dan hasn't fared as well as Forrest. He's living in a run-down rooming house, and he drinks a lot. Forrest tells him of his plans to buy a shrimping boat once he gets the money. After all, he made a promise to Bubba that he would. Lieutenant Dan laughed, but told him, the day you're a shrimp boat captain, I'll be your first mate. Shortly thereafter, Forrest is discharged from the army and ping pong endorsement money pours in. Forrest quickly has money for his shrimp boat. And despite the astonishment of Bubba's family, and the shrimp boat captain from whom he buys the boat, Forrest is soon a shrimp boat captain. And Lieutenant Dan, being a man of his word, is soon his first mate.
But shrimping doesn't come easy for Forrest and Lieutenant Dan. So Forrest begins to pray. But God doesn't send them shrimp. He sends them a hurricane. And when it's over, their boat, Jenny, is the only shrimp boat to survive. Shrimping is easy after that. And though the man on the bench at the bus stop, who's now listening to Forrest's story, has a hard time believing it, Forrest Gump founded the Bubba Gump Shrimp Company, which, as Forrest says, has more money than Davy Crockett. And one day, Lieutenant Dan says to Forrest, I never thanked you for saving my life. So things go well for Forrest and Lieutenant Dan and the Bubba Gump Shrimp Company. But Forrest up and leaves one day when he gets word that his mama is sick. When he gets home, he found out she got the cancer. She tells him it's her time. Everyone will have one. But she knows now it was her destiny to be his mama. When Forrest asks her what his destiny is, she says he has to figure it out for himself. She died on a Tuesday, and Forrest bought her a new hat. Forrest decides to stay in Greenbow and let Lieutenant Dan run the Bubba Gump Shrimp Company. Lieutenant Dan also does some investing and invests them both in a little fruit company called Apple. The investment pays off and, as Forrest says, he's a gazillionaire. But his mama always told him a man only needs so much fortune, the rest is showing off. So Forrest gives away a lot of his money, including to Bubba's family, but continues to work in Greenbow for nothing. He's happy during the days, but his nights are lonely. He misses Jenny and often imagines seeing her walking across the lawn coming home to him. One day, Forrest's dream comes true. Jenny returns home. And for a month or so, Forrest and Jenny live like family. But when Forrest asks Jenny to marry him, Jenny turns him down. She does slip into his room that night to assure him she loves him. But in the morning, she is gone leaving Forrest only with the running shoes she gave him as a reminder of her. So Forrest puts on those running shoes, and like Jenny always said, Forrest ran, and ran, and ran, 
He started out running to town. Then he thought he'd run through the county. He kept going through the state. In fact, Forrest kept going through the country. He became a running phenomena. Everybody wanted to know Forrest's story. Why was he running? What motivated him? Nobody could believe he just felt like running. inspired people all over the country. It inspired them to do things they wanted to do, and it inspired them to follow him. But three years, two months, 16 days, and two hours after he left his front porch in Greenbow, Alabama, Forrest stopped running. He was tired. He wanted to go home. So Forrest went home, and one day, out of the blue, clear sky, Forrest got a letter from Jenny. She had read all about his big run, and she wanted him to come see her. She lived in Savannah, and that's what Forrest is doing on that bus stop, telling people his life story. He's waiting for the bus to go to Jenny's house. But the last woman who's hearing his story, who learns Jenny's address, tells him he doesn't need a bus. He's just five blocks away. And with that, Forrest ran. When he gets there, Jenny, who looks a bit older and a lot wiser, is happy to see him. She obviously has something to tell him, and she starts by trying to apologize for all the pain she's caused him. She said she was messed up for a long time. But the rest of the conversation is interrupted by a knock on the door. A neighbor is dropping off Jenny's son. Horace is astounded. Jenny's a mama. Jenny tells him, she named her son after his father, Forrest. When the shock wears off, Forrest sits down with his son, Forrest, and together they watch Bert and Ernie.
but Jenny tells Forrest of a cloud on the horizon. She is sick with some kind of virus, and the doctors have no cure. She then asks Forrest if he'll marry her. Of course he'll marry her. It's all he's ever wanted. So together they go back to Greenbow, Alabama, and throw a wedding. And much to Forrest Gump's surprise and delight, Lieutenant Dan shows up. He's got two titanium legs and a fiancé. So Forrest and Jenny are happily married. But there isn't much of a honeymoon. Jenny's illness is progressing rapidly. And when we see her next, she's in bed being served by Forrest. The two of them have a chance to talk. Jenny asked Forrest about Vietnam. Was he scared there? Forrest said yes. But there were moments of beauty. Moments that reminded him of the sun setting on the bayou. Of the crystal clear lake reflection he saw in the mountains during his run. Of the sunrises he saw in the desert. He said it was so beautiful, he didn't know where heaven stopped and the earth began. Jenny said she wished she could been there with him. Forrest assured her she was. When we see Forrest next, he's standing under the tree on which he and Jenny played so happily through their childhood. He's now standing in front of her grave, and he's talking to her. 
He tells her she died on a Saturday morning, and he wanted her to rest here under their tree. He told her, too, that he had her father's house bulldozed to the ground. He remembered how his mother told him dying was a part of life, but he sure wished it wasn't. Then he assured her that Forrest Jr. is doing fine, and he'll be starting school again soon. He recounts how he takes care of him, how he makes him breakfast, lunch, and dinner every day, combs his hair, makes sure he brushes his teeth, teaches him ping pong, and every night they read a book together. Forrest says he's so smart. She would be proud of him. He certainly is. And then he tells Jenny that little Forrest wrote her a letter, that he wasn't to read it, only to give it to her. So Forrest places it on the flowers next to her tombstone. And then he wonders aloud about everyone's destinies, or for all just floating around accidental-like on a breeze. He finishes, choked with tears, just to tell Jenny that he misses her. And if she should ever need anything, he won't be far away. Then life goes on for Forrest Gump. And just as he told Jenny, little Forrest is going back to school. Next, we see the two Forrests at the end of their driveway, waiting for the school bus. Forrest notices a book in little Forrest's backpack. It's Curious George. Forrest opens it, and the feather he had put in the book while he was sitting at that Savannah bus stop just months ago falls out, though he doesn't notice. He does tell Little Forrest, however, how that was his favorite book growing up. Little Forrest says he's taking it in for show and tell. The school bus arrives, and Little Forrest approaches, and he tells the bus driver, just like his father did so many years ago, that he's Forrest Gump. Forrest, the father, stands and tells his son he loves him. His son tells him he loves him too. And with that, the school bus is gone, and Forrest Gump is left alone to sit and think. And as he does, that little white feather is taken up by the breeze and floats away, ending the movie as it began. listen to the music of Forrest Gump from 1994. Now we have a bonus track from the movie. Here we have a piece arranged by Alan Silvestri, who composed the music for the rest of the film. This is a song called Jesus on the Main Line. We hear it in the film as Forrest goes to his friend Bubba's hometown to start what ends up being the Bubba Gump Shrimp Company.
Thank you for listening to Forrest Gump on The Sound of Movies. The Sound of Movies is a production of the Front Porch People. Listen to more great conversations at thefrontporchpeople.com. Thank you for listening. Mad Magazine. Advertising mascots. B-movie posters. And cartoons. Oh yeah, can't forget cartoons. If you get the funky connection that ties these pop culture gems together, you'll dig two designers walk into a bar. See, we're a couple of creatively curious pals living between the bookends of grand museums and dive bars. Hey, you know the place. The sweet spot where highbrow and lowbrow become drinking buddies. So join our barroom chats as we talk influential work and uncover stories of how the familiar became iconic. Think behind the music for the stuff we love. Check out our website at twodesignerswalkintoabar.com. And listen wherever you get your podcasts or visit evergreenpodcasts.com.